Thursday, December 15th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 15 Preview Pod. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, Jared Small. And Jared, we're into the fantasy playoffs for most leagues. You should be in your league, unless it's small enough where you just have a two-week playoff. But it's playoff time, so we're still going to go through every game this week. Probably try to streamline it a little bit, so we're just talking about the important guys because there shouldn't be quite as many players in contention. And really, I think the biggest thing now is to not look too hard for sleepers like we'll still talk about some guys that have upside this week and some guys that might play over somebody else that seems more obvious but this is just not the time of year to say yeah but i saw this thing last week i want to trust him this week over somebody that's been giving me a lot more over the past six yeah i think you're right i don't i think that's not necessarily because it's playoff time it's i think it's just because we're in week 15 and we have you know 14 games worth of data now so we do run away more of the long term than, you know, what we might have seen in just one week. And I think we still want to chase ceiling, but the thing that changes with the playoffs is if you lose this week, you very well could be done. So it's even just a little bit less of a reason to take a chance on somebody just to see what happens. But like I said, we'll try to streamline it. We'll get into the players that matter here. We'll start with the Thursday night game, San Francisco at Seattle, 49ers by three and a half over under 43 Brock Purdy is the top story. Nice story, you know, came in for Jimmy Garoppolo two weeks ago. He helped the 49ers beat down the Tampa Bay Bucks last week. He's questionable for this game though. That just came out right before we started. So he might not play in this one. We'll see where that goes. I don't think it matters a whole lot for your fantasy plans because you shouldn't be playing Brock Purdy if you, you know, unless you need to, there might be some out there that need to at this point. Yeah. I mean, if Purdy ends up playing, I'd feel comfortable with him as a you know quarterback too in a super flex league um i don't think you want to be starting him in one quarterback league especially with this this oblique injury it would be josh johnson if purdy does not go and johnson is you know plenty experience i think he in this offense would be good enough to keep your you know McCaffrey, Ayuk, and kittles afloat and you know those are the only three guys that should be in you know starting lineups at least in one quarterback leagues Honestly, I think Josh Johnson might be a higher upside version of Brock Purdy, maybe like a more erratic one. Maybe we get higher interception potential, but I mean, Josh Johnson's given us enough of those like surprise weeks that I certainly don't, I certainly don't think it changes anything for any of those, you know, pass catchers or Christian McCaffrey that you're considering here. Yep. That's fair. Um, Brandon Ayuk, good spot for target share. I think there's a volume question still, even with Debo Samuel out. There's still an ADOT question with Brock Purdy last week, posted his longest average depth of target since week one, but that was only on three targets. And a lot of that came on his 32-yard touchdown catch where he was wide open and he had to stop and wait for the ball to get to him. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it may, I don't think Debo's absence makes Ayuk a, a, a must start. I think it bumps him, you know, from a lower end wide receiver three to a higher end wide receiver three. I mean, he, he should get a volume boost. Uh, I mean, I, I think Purdy has played pretty damn well. And you know, I, I feel comfortable in his ability to get Brandon Ayuk the ball. Um, the Seahawks do rank third in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers on the season, but they're also 24th in past defense DVOA over the past five weeks. I think that's a better indication of this matchup for Ayuk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can check the rankings to see exactly where he sits versus the other wide receivers. And it's in kind of a nebulous range. Like we were talking about players such as Michael Pittman, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster in a similar range as Brandon Ayuk earlier. So it's okay to lean in any direction. I feel better about Michael Pittman because I, I think there is more target upside to him tonight. I think not tonight, this week in that matchup with Minnesota that we'll get to later. But, you know, if you're like, no, I really like Brandon Ayuk, I can't argue too strongly. 
Yeah, and then you know, George Kittle is the other guy in play here who obviously has been a, a massive disappointment for you know the past month plus now. Um, he did, you know, I, I think the thing's working in his favor. He did see a 22% target share last week. The Niners threw the ball just 23 times in that game, so it didn't result in big raw volume for Kittle. Um, but nice target share. Again, no Debo should help George Kittle. And then the, this matchup, Seattle dead last in adjusted points allowed to tight ends, 27th in football outsiders tight end coverage rankings. So, uh, you, you know, the floor is still low on Kittle like it is for pretty much every tight end at this point besides Travis Kelsey. Um, but I do think he has decent upside in this matchup. Floor came down for him last week, too, with a 2.8 yard average depth of target. So we said before, Brock Purdy hurts in that area. Certainly looks like that's the case. If you look at route participation numbers, George Kittle slipped there last week, too, but he also played less overall. So I think that's at least part of it. Yeah, 89% routes last week is what I have him at. I mean, that's a that's an elite number still. Okay. Geno Smith on the other side of this one, arguably his worst outing of the year in the first meeting with San Francisco this season. He did complete 80% of his throws in that one, but just 197 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception. He had a season low 5.07 adjusted yards per pass attempt in that one. That's a pro football reference stat that accounts for touchdowns, interceptions as well. Two rushing yards. It's one of his two games all year where he had fewer than two touchdown passes. And the Niners have been especially good lately on defense. They've allowed five total touchdown passes over their past six games. Two of those to Tua Tonga-Vailoa in a game that was just bad for him overall. Yeah, Yeah, and, you know, Geno comes into this game coming off his worst PFF passing grade of the season. You know, he kind of got there in fantasy last week, um, especially with that super late garbage time touchdown. Um, But he, he played poorly. You know, he, I, I, to me, Gina was the reason that they lost that game. Um, so, man, a guy that's been so good all season. And we'll say this about a lot of quarterbacks this week. I mean, there are, there are only six, seven quarterbacks I feel comfortable with. So, you know, Gino does still sit, like, in, in borderline quarterback one territory in our rankings. Um, but it, it's, it's not a good spot for him. The, the Seahawks have a 20.25 point implied total. That's one of the lowest they've had in a while. So, um, you know, Gino's definitely not a must start. But, again, there are, are kind of – only a handful of quarterbacks that seem to be in good spots this week. Yeah, the Niners have allowed just two games of 20-plus QB points. Obviously, the specific number there depends on your scoring format, but you know that's not even a high level of production, and they only came Patrick Mahomes in Week 7, Marcus Mariota the week before that, Week 6. He had 129 passing, two touchdowns, 50 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. So other than that, they've basically shut yeah. down quarterbacks. I feel better. Like Tom Brady's behind um, Geno Smith in our rankings this week. I feel better about Tom Brady this week at home against the Bengals than I do about Geno Smith tonight. Yeah, I'd go Geno there um, just based on his, you know, what he's put on paper for us throughout the season. Brady just, you know, hasn't really done it. But it's, it's you know, no doubt a, a really tough spot for Geno. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, still sitting wide receiver two territory. Tyler Lockett, nine for 107 in the first meeting. DK, yep. Justin, four for 35 on six targets in that game. Certainly, I feel better about Lockett than Metcalf. I wonder if Metcalf's a little high in our rankings. Yeah, another guy, you know, just kind of want to lean on what he's done all season. He has struggled, though, the past couple of years against the Niners. And if you look at the numbers this season, San Francisco – is a negative matchup for outside wide receivers. They're actually a slightly positive matchup for slot receivers, which is, you know, where Lockett's going to play most of his snaps tonight. So definitely a better spot for Lockett. Um, Downgrade Metcalf, you know, from where he usually has been in our rankings over the past uh, month plus at this point. Um, But, you know, Metcalf is not a guy I would be definitely looking to bench, depending on your, your other options.
I can agree with that. Kenneth Walker, however, is somebody I would certainly be looking to bench. Um, looks like he's ready injury-wise, but there's like I, I, I have to assume that there's still some elevated risk there versus when he's fully healthy. But more importantly, his past four full games, he have included three of less than three yards per carry. The only one that wasn't in that range was against a generous Arizona run defense. So he's had some really good touchdown luck, masking some really yeah. poor rushing efficiency and i just don't think that seattle's going to be in for that kind of touchdown luck tonight yeah i mean again a bad spot for walker for sure um full practices on tuesday and wednesday and not on the final injury reports i mean you're right there might be some elevator risk here but you know the fact that he, he closed the week like that means i think it means seattle expects him to be ready for his usual workload and i think that's what you're leaning on if you play Kenneth Walker, um, six healthy games without Rashad Penny this season, 18.7 carries and 3.0 targets per game. I mean, if you can get something close to that level of volume, I think he'll be okay for you. But wide variations within that. And the last two times we saw him, it was 10 and 14 carries. And this is a team that just lost at home to Carolina. So it wouldn't be surprising to me if Seattle falls behind in this game. So, I mean, He's not, uh, he's not a total must sit, but there are probably even guys behind him in our rankings and he's at the bottom of RB2 territory. There are guys still behind him that I would probably play over him. Yep. Not a must sit. Definitely not a must start though. I bet there are plenty of teams out there that have, you know, two or even three running backs rank higher this week. Anybody else from that game? Nope. Indy at Minnesota Saturday at 1 PM Eastern. So keep an eye on all those start times this week as you make sure to get your lineups set. Uh, Vikings by four over under 48 and a half Matt Ryan Jared every time I look at the quarterback rankings this week and think about how bad a week it is yeah. for quarterback I think Matt Ryan has me a little bit concerned that he winds up in a shootout and then he outperforms our projections by a lot and ends up outscoring a bunch of quarterbacks that we currently list ahead of him but yeah. here's why I haven't even like brought up the prospect of moving him up the rankings. Matt Ryan has not hit 250 yards in a game since week six. He had since then one touchdown pass a piece versus the Titans Raiders and Steelers, all of which should have been, you know, pass inflating matchups for him. He's got, he's at a career low 3% touchdown rate. It, that was a low rate last year. It was the low rate the two years before. So, you know, a lot of guys we look at and say, oh, he's in for some regression. There's not much regression coming for Matt Ryan. He's already in full career regression period. League leader in interceptions this season, despite getting benched for two games. He has taken three plus sacks in three straight games in four of his past five. Ultimately, I think I'm more willing to play a bad Vikings defense than I am a bad Matt Ryan in this matchup. Yeah, I mean, he's, I, he's just washed up. He's been bad all season. You're right. The spot is the spot is really good. It's a good matchup. It's indoors. This game has a pretty high over. And even the Colts supply total is decent. Um, I'm going to get some Ryan exposure in a in a Saturday only DFS tournament. Take a shot on him there. Um, but, I, you know, I'm not messing with him in season long. The Colts, by the way, too, have gone run heavy under Jeff Saturday, minus 6% pass rate over expected. Yeah, I would I would expect that to continue um, as long as this, this game you know, stays close. Shocking that a former offensive lineman with the crypt keeper playing yeah. quarterback for him has leaned on the run. Right. Michael Pittman, though, I, I think is a little bit low in our PPR rankings. I know we're not talking about ceiling in this pass offense, but yep. he did have three straight games of six plus catches before last week, which is a tough matchup against Dallas and not last week. They had a bye last week, but the game before that two catches against Dallas, which has been a negative matchup for wide receivers. I would have Pittman pretty comfortably in wide receiver two territory. I feel better about him in PPR than I do about Metcalf and Brandon Ayuk tonight. 
So I'll, I'll agree that Pittman is safe because he's been getting nice volume. Um, th- 31 targets over the past four games with Matt Ryan and Jeff Saturday. So about, so about eight targets per game. The problem is those are like four yard targets from a crappy quarterback. Uh, Pittman's just 41st among wide receivers and expected fantasy points per game over that span. So, you know, the, the volume isn't as valuable as it looks just in terms of raw targets. Uh, the, the matchup's awesome. You know, Minnesota 31st and adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. So, you know, to me, that that's why Pittman sits where he is in our rankings. Again, I don't think there's a ton of upside, but I do think he's a pretty safe bat in PPR. Yeah, his upside looks more like Keenan Allen's right now, where we could easily get a 12-target game for Michael Pittman here. Yes. And I'm not messing with any other Colts pass catchers. No, me either. I mean, I think Campbell and Pierce are guys you can consider in, in, in DFS, but um, should not make your cut in season long. Especially if you're going down that Matt Ryan path with Jared this weekend. Let's do it, baby. Baltimore at, oh wait, no, we got Minnesota. I, yeah. I, I always like mentally skip over Minnesota because it's just straightforward to me at this point. Yeah, I mean, Jefferson, Cook, Hawkinson, locked in. I think the, I think the, the questionable guys are always Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen. I actually like Cousins this week. I, you know, I've I've been talking crap about him most of the season. I feel like he he's played well now the past three weeks. He's actually fourth in PFF passing grade over the past three weeks, and the Colts are nineteenth in adjusted uh, fantasy points allowed to quarterback. So it's kind of a neutral matchup. But you get Cousins in a dome. Don't got to worry about weather, which is not going to be the case for a lot of games this week. And the Vikings have a twenty six point five point implied total, which is one of the highest on the week. So I, I do. I'd easily play Kirk Cousins over Geno Smith if you're making that decision. For sure, I would as well. Yeah, Kirk Cousins has given us plenty to dislike lately, but even if you look over his past five games, he faced Dallas and he faced the Jets in that stretch, and that's where he had his bad games, and those are pretty good pass defenses, and around that, he had big numbers even in an iffy game against the Bills, big numbers against the Patriots, big numbers last week against the Lions, so I, I can pretty easily bet on Kirk Cousins this week as well. And then, you know, Thielen, um, eight targets over, eight targets per game over his last three. But the Colts are fourth and adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. They've just kind of been tough on that position all season. So I, I don't love Thielen in this spot. I think if you if you play him, you're sort of leaning on it, you know, being a, a higher scoring game and him, him getting in the end zone. Yeah, and maybe the run game having trouble getting going. He's low in wide receiver three territory. I think that's where he belongs. Yep. Certainly there is upside if he does find the end zone. Um, Baltimore at Cleveland Saturday at four 30 Eastern Browns by three over under 37 on the Baltimore side. It looks like Tyler Huntley is actually on track to play after he yeah. suffered a concussion last week. You would have guessed that he would miss at least one game, but he was a full practice participant Wednesday. So seems like he should play. He left last week early, not quite two thirds of the way through the game already had 31 rushing yards. And really that's the only reason to be aware of Tyler Huntley on the fantasy side. Yeah, quarterback two only, I think, for Huntley. You know, again, maybe something to consider in Saturday DFS contests. But um, I think he's a significant upgrade over Anthony Brown. And I think, you know, that matters for Mark Andrews. We we had Mark Andrews, like, almost outside our top 12 when we had Anthony Brown projected. I think with Huntley back in there now, you know, you don't got to go digging on the waiver wire to, you know, play someone over Mark Andrews this week. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Certainly not exciting. Um, he is fourth in our rankings now, and that's low for him relative to usual. Yep. I could see, so right behind him are George Kittle and David Njoku. I could see yep. starting either one of those guys over him. I don't think that I would go for anybody else ahead of Mark Andrews this week. Yeah, Dale Scotter is the other guy that would I would think about. You know, We'll see what we hear on him um, over the next few days. But uh, yeah, you'll have to make the Andrews decision on Saturday. 
obviously. Yeah, I'd have a tough time doing that with Goddard in his very first game back. Yeah. Um, you'll hear questions, though, like, should I start Chiga Conquo over Mark Andrews? And, you know, that's one of those, like, it, sure, it could work. We just saw Chiga Conquo put up numbers last week. We saw Mark Andrews not put up numbers. But the question that I use to break those is, which is going to make me angrier? <laughs> losing because I didn't play Chiga Conquo over Mark Andrews or losing because I didn't play the star tight end that I drafted in the second or third round this year. Andrews had a 35% target share last week. You know, Baltimore threw it 17 times, so it didn't really result in much. But um, you know, again, and, and we saw that all throughout last year, Huntley, Peppers, Andrews, Andrews with targets. So um, yeah, he doesn't have the elite upside that you thought you were getting when you drafted him, but I do think he's still a pretty safe bet at the position. The backfield is the other thing really worth talking about in Baltimore. We had the big game from J.K. Dobbins last week. It kind of overshadows that he only played five more snaps than Gus Edwards, only beat Gus Edwards by two carries, and there were only two targets for the entire backfield, and they both went to Kenyon Drake. So this is a flimsy prospect, but one that showed us upside last week. The offense went 62% run in a close game against the Steelers last week. Cleveland has been one of the weakest run defenses all year. 30th in run defense DVOA right now, 31st in our adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. They have four starting linebackers on IR at this point, including Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa most recently. So Jared, what are you doing with JK Dobbins and maybe anybody else in that backfield this week? Yeah, he's a tough one. I mean, I actually went back and watched all of his carries this morning, and he definitely looked bad when he broke off that long run down the right sideline. He you could he was like, you know, hobbling out of bounds. But he he, I thought he looked fine on his you know like, like between the tackles. Like it's, it's just when he gets in the open field, I think he doesn't have his usual speed. Otherwise, I thought he looked pretty fine. He obviously put up 120 yards in a score. I think you know the matchup is what makes me like J.K. Dobbins this week. I still think it's going to be a committee. I still think Gus Edwards is going to get the ball plenty. You know, neither guy projects for a whole lot in the passing game. Um, but this is a game that should should stay close. Baltimore should be able to you know run it as much as they want. And they went super run heavy in the first meeting against the Browns. And that was with Lamar Jackson under center. Um, uh, Ravens running backs combined for 32 carries in that game, which I think is you know, a fair projection for them this week. Yeah, I think we're going to get lots of rushing volume in this one. I think the Ravens could legitimately go 70% run in this game. I would not be shocked if that's the split. I I'm more open to Gus Edwards being a deep sleeper to this game than I am yep. scared to play J.K. Dobbins here. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Edwards is in play. Obviously, a better option in non PPR or even half PPR. But uh, you know, 13 carries last week um, was pretty efficient on them. I think he should be in for for similar volume this week. I think he looks similar to Jamal Williams this week. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I you, you still got to call Jamal a better touchdown, but <laughs> just because what he's done all season. But I think um, volume wise, they they project similarly. Mm -hmm. On the Brown side, Deshaun Watson was better last week. Certainly not the old Watson at this point, but better, which is good. Um, offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt said this week that we should expect to see more deep balls from Watson as he gets more comfortable in the offense. The matchup favors him this week. The Ravens, seventh toughest on running backs by our adjusted fantasy points allowed for the season, 18th versus quarterbacks, so already a better matchup there. In the four weeks since Baltimore's bye, the Ravens are first in the league in run defense DVOA, 19th against the pass. Now, I don't think all of that makes Watson safe because we have one yeah. crappy game and one okay game from him so far. So he's not a good quarterback yet, but 
in what we've already talked about being a tough quarterback week, I think that makes him attractive at the bottom of QB one range. Yeah, I think he's in play. Um, it, it, Watson was still 24th in PFF passing grades last week. I, you know, I had a week with six teams on by, so he was, you know, right near the bottom. Um, Cleveland did go balanced last week. They, you know, they weren't super run heavy like they were the week before against Houston. Um, so yeah, don't feel great about Sean Watson, but uh, he's, he's definitely an option this week. If you don't have, you know, one of those locked in elite guys, I would play him over Geno Smith personally. God, I, I, I'd play Geno just based on the track record of the season, but I, I would not fault anyone for playing Watson. I think they're, they're right there. Nick Chubb is also somebody that I would play a lot less this week than I would have anticipated if I drafted him. RB 22 in PPR points per game since their bye, which is five weeks now. And, you know, I already mentioned the matchup numbers for the Ravens defense. Yeah, bad matchup for sure. Although, you know, Chubb went for 91 yards in a score against Baltimore on 16 carries back in week seven. I mean, to me, he's still one of, if not the best runner in the NFL. So he can sort of beat any matchup. The big thing for me, though, is just game script. We know Chubb is a game script dependent running back. And the Browns are two and a half point favorites here. And I, you could argue that Baltimore is going to win this game, but I think it's going to be close either way. I think game script won't, you know, push Chubb out, out of the game plan. I think he's going to get his, you know, 18 to 22 carries in this game. And if that's the case, you know, I'm going to take my chances on him in, in most cases. I'll take the under on those, on that carry total that you mentioned. 22.2 carries and wins this season versus just 15 in losses. Yeah, I, I I know that they're favored in this game. I think that it's basically a pick them. They're the home team. Yep. That's so we're at three points. So I, I'm not giving him a bump for a win here. I think that it's a, a balanced game against a defense that's, you know, really good against the run. And he has not been running well lately or running nearly as much. Could make, could make a good DFS tournament play. Mm. If people are off him. No, he's not going to have the ceiling. I guess if it's Saturday only, you can put him in your garbage Matt Ryan lineup and have really no points. Yeah, I mean, Saturday only. I haven't even thought about a Saturday, Sunday slate, but yeah, Saturday only. (laughs) All right. Amari Cooper is another guy to watch. No practice Tuesday or Wednesday. He's listed not injury-related rest slash hip. So it seems like it might be slightly injury-related. We're going to have to watch him over the next two days. He did play last week. We found out afterward that he aggravated the hip on the first play of the game, played through it, only caught two balls among seven targets. So for me, it's really going to depend on what they say about him heading into the game. I'm going to need to hear something about how he's feeling a lot better. Otherwise I'm going to try not to play him. Yeah, me too. I I would, you know, probably need to see a full practice today to really want to use Amari Cooper. So, you know, keep your eye on that. He's, he's going to move down our rankings. If he's, you know, even if he's limited today and ends up as questionable, he's going to move down our rankings. And that all makes Donovan Peoples Jones more attractive Um, outperformed Cooper last week uh, sits ahead of him in our rankings right now. And, you know, both could be in play, but I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm more comfortable with DPJ, especially if we do get some more of those deep shots from Deshaun Watson this week in a matchup, as I said, favors passing over rushing. Yeah, DPJ is like the one thing that's been working with Deshaun Watson. I guess David Njoku did last week. We'll get to him. But um, DPJ, 73% catch rate, 14.4 yards per catch over the last two weeks with Deshaun Watson. And he went for 71 yards in, on six catches against Baltimore in week seven. So, um, you know, I already did well in this matchup. I, I like Peoples-Jones, and I, I'll like him more if Cooper doesn't play or even if he's limited. Um, David Njoku, as you mentioned, one of the, I mean, there are very few tight ends I'd play over him at this point. Yep. Yeah. Back, back to full 
uh, participation last week as, as far as routes go. Got 21% target share. And Baltimore's just 25th in adjusted points allowed to tight ends. It's kind of you know, the weakest aspect of their defense. Praise the fantasy gods for that return. Anything else in that game? Nope. Miami at Buffalo Saturday night at 8.15, just to make everybody's families mad. Bills by seven, over under 43 and a half. And I think that that number is stark and worth paying attention to in a matchup between two teams that have spent most of this year as two of the better offenses in the league. So to me, Vegas is saying, watch out. This game might not give you quite as many points as you're hoping for. Yeah, for sure. Both offenses have been disappointing relative to expectations. Um, you know, Miami the past couple of weeks, Buffalo for a few weeks now. Plus, there's some weather concerns here. It's going to be cold. It looks like there's going to be snow. We'll see about the wind. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll adjust um, projections if needed as we get closer to kickoff here. Yeah. Tua Tonga-Vailoa on the Miami side. His Vegas line right now for passing yards is at 242.5, and and betters are currently slightly favoring the under on that. He's coming off his two worst full games this season. Had that goofy outing against the Bills in the first one where a back injury had him wobbling around the field. Limited passing volume, limited offensive volume overall. So not a whole lot that we can take from that meeting, but really – I'm concerned about one, him having his worst two games of the year, the past two times out. And two, I'm concerned about Tua playing in the cold. I mean, his team plays in Miami. He's from Hawaii. He played at Alabama. Like I'm sure that he's not used to it being very cold, which it gets up here in in Northern New York. Yeah. I mean, a lot of reasons to be concerned about Tua this week, which sucks because he's carried you to this point. Um, And even two weeks ago against the 49ers, it wasn't a super concerning performance to me against that defense and even even still came through the nice fantasy line but you know last week against the banged up chargers defense that that was rough um now he 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 didn't put up big numbers against the bills back in week three but that was that funky game where buffalo ran like twice as many plays as miami Tua did complete 73 percent of his passes and averaged 10.3 yards per attempt in that game and the bills are just 12th in football outsiders pass defense dvoa over the past five weeks i don't think the actual matchup is like totally hands-off but you combine, you know, a, a semi-difficult matchup with the way Tua is playing, with the weather concerns. You know, he's 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 far from a must-start this week. Again, someone like Kirk Cousins, I definitely play over Tua if you can, you know, make that move. Um, I think you know Tua versus the the Genos and, and the Deshaun Watsons. That's that's where it gets tricky. I would play Watson over Tua. I would not play Geno over Tua. I think Geno in that whole range is the guy I'm most concerned about. Just throwing up a dud. Although he and Tua are pretty yeah. close. Um, I'm not even downgrading for the matchup here, but just the, the overall, yeah. uh, I don't know, recent setting has me, has me concerned. Yeah. I mean, Miami has the lowest implied total of any of, you know, those quarterbacks we're talking about. He even has a, the Finns even have a lower implied total than Tampa. If you're considering Tom Brady over to a Tyreek Hill hurt that ankle played through yeah. it against the chargers limited Tuesday, full practice Wednesday. So it seems like we shouldn't have to worry about that ankle. We'll certainly keep an eye on it through the week. You know, the cold could affect that. It's not going to impact whether I'm playing him. Obviously if yeah. there's any limitation to him, it hurts to a, but it looks like something we, we don't really need to factor in. Yeah. I think you're playing Tyreek. You know, he's produced even in these duds from Tua the past couple of weeks. Um, I think Jalen Waddle's the trickier one. I mean, he, his last two games, one catch for nine yards on five targets, two catches for 31 yards on four targets. He, you know, he's been banged up. He had that leg injury. He's not on the injury report in the space. I don't think you got to worry about that, but um, just 6.1 targets per game on a 19% target share for Waddle over the last five games. So a much bigger sample. Um, 
So, you know, Waddle, um, not a, mu- not a must start, you know, he's in low end wide receiver two territory in our rankings, so, you know, comparing to the other guys on your team. I think it's possible you're, you're sitting Waddle this week. Yeah. Backfield could gain some clarity. Jeff Wilson jr. Did not practice either Tuesday or Wednesday. You know, we're getting the earlier injury reports cause it's a Saturday game. Got a hip injury. Looks like it'll probably keep him out for this game. So we should get Raheem Mostert as a clear starter. There's some upside to him from RB2 territory, but we also have Mostert averaging a career low in yards per carry behind an offensive line that seems to be struggling right now. Overall for the season, it's last in the league in football outsiders power success, which measures how well a team is converting short runs. Obviously that relies heavily on the O-line for the year though, 13th in adjusted line yards to be fair to that O-line 22nd in RB yards per carry. So we get, uh, Miami backfield that hasn't really been exploiting the blocking that is available yeah. judging by those numbers. Yeah. I mean, Miami's still going to be missing right tackle Austin Jackson. It sounds like left tackle Tron Armstead is iffy for this game again. Um, and Buffalo third and football outsiders run defense DVOA over the past five weeks, they're ninth against running backs on the season. So like most of it, I think you can be pretty confident if Wilson's out that he's going to handle most of the work in Miami's backfield. I wouldn't expect him to be super efficient though. Yeah, I agree with that. On the Bills side, Josh Allen's passing line talked about the line for Tua, but 231 and a half for Josh Allen. And I see that and it seems crazy low. He's averaging 273.3 per game for the season, but past two weeks, 147 and 223. uh, Josh Allen has three games under 225 yards among his past four. He has five such games among his past seven. That dates back to before that first Jets meeting. So I'm sure part of that has been his right elbow getting dinged up in that first Jets game. He has been off the injury report over the past couple weeks, though. It's worth keeping in mind, again, you know, we talked at the beginning about the point projection for this game, much lower than we would have guessed just a few weeks ago. Yeah, I almost clicked the over on Josh Allen's passing yards this morning, but I'm going to at least wait to see how bad that weather is on Saturday night. Um, I I think there's a lot going on with Allen. I mean, his play has definitely dropped off just 6.6 yards per attempt over his last six games. He's 11th in PFF passing grades over that span. Um, the schedule has been pretty challenging, you know, two games against the Jets and one against the Patriots over those six games. If we, As we've talked about, the Bills' pass rate over expected has come down, so, you know, Allen hasn't been throwing it as much. From a fantasy perspective, though, like, he's still producing. He's quarterback seven in points per game over the last six weeks, so he, he hasn't been the elite guy you thought you were getting and did get early on. But he hasn't been killing you. He has only really one. He only has one game outside the top ten quarterbacks among his last six. So like, I'm not benching Josh Allen, even if though maybe I'm not expecting him to, you know, be a weak winner. Yeah. So I, I agree. You're certainly not really considering benching Josh Allen unless you have like Josh Allen and Justin Herbert on the same team for yeah. some reason. I would maybe use this stretch as a reminder of why you don't necessarily take the first quarterback next year in the draft, regardless of what the end of season numbers say, which, you know, is generally where we sit. I think we've moved over the past couple of years. We collectively as a fantasy community, we've moved toward being a little bit more comfortable taking an elite quarterback up there. But, you know, this stretch is kind of a reminder of what the risk is. There's more than just that quarterback's injury or his talent that can affect his upside. And what you need is him to dominate to actually, you know, like make that draft position make sense. Yeah, and, you know, Patrick Mahomes, and we can get into more of this the offseason, but, uh, you know, Mahomes and Hurts were big hits as elite quarterbacks, but Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson were were misses. Um, So it's not like the elite quarterback was a foolproof strategy this season. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Uh, they did re-sign Colby easily to the practice squad this week. So maybe that cures whatever is ailing the passing game in Buffalo. Well, I, I read that um, Allen asked for, you know, that to bring Beasley back. He also asked to bring John Brown back. Who I don't know if you even noticed, but he, he's been active the past couple of weeks. Drew a, drew a pass interference penalty last week. Love seeing smoke back on the field. Yeah. So we've got Josh Allen getting the Aaron Rodgers treatment by bringing back yeah. his own uh, Randall Cobb. So it's nice to see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not messing with fringe pass catchers here. I think that's the more important thing from the passing stuff than whether to play Josh Allen, which we're obviously doing. Dawson Knox is okay if you're looking at the bottom or beyond of the top 12 at tight end, but Gabe Davis is somebody I would try not to use. Yeah, man, G- Gabe, Gabe's totally flipped. So, like, over the last, um, what is this, the last seven weeks, he's wide receiver 29 in expected fantasy points, but 51st in actual fantasy points. So, you know, he's actually getting decent volume lately. He hasn't delivered on it. Um, so, yeah, he, he's, a, he's a fringy wide receiver three. If we do expect this to be, you know, you know, a lower scoring game with, with bad weather, it's probably not a spot for a big Gabe week. Yeah. No, thanks for me on Gabe Davis. Like he's down at the bottom of wide receiver three range. And there are definitely guys behind him. I would rather play, especially in PPR. Um, I did mention Dawson Knox is okay. He's still behind Greg Dulcich, Evan Ingram, Gerald Everett, yeah. Gerald Everett and Cole Komet in our rankings this week. Yeah. Good matchup against Miami, but um, you know, Knox saw just four targets when this, these two teams met early this season. So the matchup doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a big part of the game plan in a game where Josh Allen attempted what 83 passes. Yeah. It was a 6% target share for, for uh, Knox. Uh, anything that you're doing with this backfield? Uh, trying not to play either guy because yeah. you know, it's, it, it's, it's really, I'm, I'm calling it a two and a half man committee because you do have Naheem Hines playing some snaps. He's not really getting touches, but he's playing snaps, which eats into, um, Cook and, and Singletary's volume. Still seems a little rude to call him half a man just for that. <laughs> yeah. We are four games in. We finally get to the Sunday action. Philly at Chicago. Eagles by six. According to this one, I think it was nine where I saw earlier. So who knows whether I just inverted the number or if the line has yeah. moved since then. Over has, under, yeah, what do you what number do you have? It opened at nine. Now it's at six, which is a pretty big move. Sweet. So maybe I'll just go bet it. I guess I was correct. Over <laughs> under 48 and a half here. You know, you're playing all the Eagles. It's not even a question. The only real question is whether Dallas Goddard is back to join the all the Eagles party. Yeah, again, I think obviously, you know, Kelsey, Hawkinson, Schultz, I would definitely start over Dallas Goddard. And then it's like, you know, Mark Andrews, George Kittle, David and Joku outside of those six. If you don't have one of those six, I would definitely play Goddard if he's activated. And we'll find out, you know, Saturday afternoon if he's activated for this game. And obviously beyond finding out whether he's activated, we'll watch for any clues on his usage. You know, if they say anything like, yeah, we're going to bring him back for a limited role, ease him back in, something like that. You'll see adjustments in our rankings. That's the kind of stuff we're always watching out for and adjusting the numbers as we see fit. Something else to watch out for, by the way, Jared, I don't know if you've seen this yet, but Jalen Hurts, we've got a gimme in underdog pickums this week. One of those free squares where... You know, you can either say, all right, I'm going to go ahead and take Jalen Hurts and I'll find one more just to guarantee myself some money. Or you could play Adam Crowder style and <laughs> take Jalen Hurts and then add on as much else as you can and try to load up that cash. Yeah, I paired it with the Dak Prescott over passing yards, which I saw from your article um, was, was one of our biggest discrepancies of the week. That's right. So you can take this free square that Underdog's given you. You can check our free article for Underdog Pick'em Plays. And there are 37 of those highlighted player lines in this week's. That's six more than any other week this year. So if you haven't played, use promo code DraftSharks. You can get your first deposit matched 100% 
up to 100 bucks. You can get some free money. You get a free square. We got a free article to tell you who to play. I mean, Jared, there's really no reason not to get on underdog and play it this week. Yeah, it's awesome. Love it. On the other side of Eagles Bears, we've got Justin Fields. And he probably sits higher in the quarterback rankings than anybody is comfortable seeing him. I know it's more high. It's higher than I'm comfortable with. I'm sure it's higher than you were comfortable putting him initially. Here is the argument for him. We all know it's a terrible matchup. The Eagles have been as tough as anyone on quarterbacks this year. The reason that Justin Fields is different from all the other quarterbacks, though, is because he is a running back who throws the ball sometimes. The Eagles have allowed the 12th most quarterback rushing yards on the league's fewest quarterback rushing attempts. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they are a bad quarterback rushing defense. I'm not even sure exactly what that looks like, but they are softer in general on the run than they are against the pass, which is better for Justin Fields, who gets a lot of design runs. They're also tough in the pass rush. And although that's probably going to mean plenty of sacks for Justin Fields, it'll also mean some scrambles that can unlock some of those big plays. Yeah. And the big thing for me with Fields this week is he's his shoulder is off the injury report. He actually didn't practice on Wednesday because of an illness, but the shoulder is off the injury report. And actually, you know, when we saw him before the bye week and he was on the injury report with that shoulder coming off the missed game, he ran six times for 71 yards and a score. They had just three designed runs in that game. The previous five games, he had 11, 10, 7, 5, and 12. So it looks to me like they, they limited the amount they wanted Fields running the ball because of that shoulder. With it off the injury report, I think you're going to get back to, you know, Fields getting eight to 12 designed runs. And to me, you know, that makes them, you know, a pretty comfy fantasy play even in this bad matchup. Agreed. And the other part of that, of course, is what we've already talked about. It's a bad week at quarterback. So if you're playing somebody that doesn't make you feel comfortable, I'm going to feel a lot better about playing that uncomfortable quarterback who has a chance to run for 90 or 100 yards for me. For sure. Exactly. Dave Montgomery, neutral matchup for him. The plus for him, even when the Jets blew them out in week 12, I think none of us would be surprised at a blowout this time. But even when they got blown out by the Jets, he still had 14 carries, four targets. So he should be a pretty good volume bet. Yeah, Cleo Herbert out at least one more game. So it'll be Montgomery's backfield. He is seventh in points per game over his last three games without Cleo Herbert. So I think in most cases you're starting him just based on the volume. Khalil Herbert comes up every time we do a dynasty buy, sell, hold report. We've got <laughs> our next one coming out soon. It's being worked on behind the scenes. We've already got yeah. three posted on the website every single time his name comes up. So Jared, what would you be doing with Khalil Herbert in dynasty right now? Let's say either if you have him on your roster <laughs> or if you don't. I'm going to cop out and say it totally depends on you know what you'd have to give to get him, what you could get in return. I think he's a good player, but all that matters is if the Bears think he's a good player and whether or not they're going to replace him. You know, we, we see these running backs, even they look good, but they don't have big draft capital and they, they just get replaced. So that's kind of the risk with Herbert. But again, if he gets a chance and Montgomery is going to be a free agent this offseason, if, if Herbert gets a chance to be the lead back in this offense, I, I think he'll do well. So, you know, to me, he's not like a obvious sell, but I also wouldn't be too aggressive if trying to buy him. To me, if I have him and somebody really wants him, he's definitely available. I would be okay with holding him to see what they do. But I think Mm -hmm. the buy case on him, I think the cautionary tale is buying Khalil Herbert right now would be like buying Michael Carter this time last year for the Jets, where he looks like a good player. And I'm, I'm not saying that he's not a good player, but a good player who was drafted on day three of the NFL draft is just not that 
big, uh, it's not that valuable an asset for an NFL team. They're going to add somebody else to the backfield, even if Dave Montgomery leaves. And it very well could be somebody within the first three rounds of the draft. So uh, Khalil Herbert, if he's the lead back come week one next season, you know, good spot. Am I going to bet on him right now being the lead back for 2023? No. Yep. I think Carter is a perfect uh, comparison. So getting back to the Bears of this week, Cole Komet, what do you like about him this week? Well, he's seventh among tight ends and expected fantasy points over the last five games. And I think, well, only one of those came without Darnell Mooney. He actually led the Bears with a 28% target share last time out without Mooney. So I, I just think he's, he's a good uh, volume bet at the position. I agree. And, you know, I look at him there. I'm like, ah, Cole Komet against the Eagles. Yeah. I don't know. And then you look at everybody behind him. You're like, ah, fine. I play Cole Komet. <laughs> exactly. Atlanta at New Orleans Saints by four in this one over under 43. The Desmond Ritter era begins, Jared. The question is, is it going to be four weeks long or is it going to extend into next season? Uh, if I had to bet, I'd say four weeks long. Um, just, you know, knowing that the, the high pick, the Falcons are going to have this spring. I bet they take four. We'll see how Ritter fares. I mean, he did have a nice preseason, which I, I, I do think matters to some extent. Fantasy wise, I don't think it's going to change much. I want, I don't think Ritter is going to be a huge upgrade over Mariota, maybe an upgrade, but not a huge one. But the biggest thing is I don't think the Falcons are going to change their play calling. I think it's going to remain, you know, one of the run heaviest offenses in the NFL. Yeah, I think it's impossible to get excited about a Falcons quarterback. I do think there's a chance that Desmond Ritter turns into something. He's the kind of college profile that we like. Mm -hmm. A lot of starting experience in college can run well, can throw deep. So even if he's not an awesome real-life quarterback, he has a nice fantasy profile. Certainly not betting on him in you know for fantasy success um, right now in the final four weeks with this particular offense, but I'm curious to watch this one. And obviously, even if he does well over the next four weeks, it would make a whole lot of sense right. for the Falcons to go ahead and draft the quarterback early, because we know even if they draft one in round one, they can still go ahead and start Desmond Ritter, maybe use him as a reason to not push the rookie into the lineup. So for this week's fantasy purposes, though, I would love to say start Drake London. I would love to say <laughs> they finally cut him loose last time out. Now they have a quarterback with at least some upside, but that six catch 95 yard game with 12 targets in week 13 tied his season high for targets. It was Drake London's first game of more than 40 receiving yards since week three. Yeah. I mean, if you just look at his box scores, that looks like the outlier, you know, rather than something we can bet on. Now it was the second game for London without Kyle Pitts, but in the first one, he saw just four targets. So this could kind of go in either direction still. Um, I would definitely prefer not to use London this week if possible. Yeah, like if your question is, shouldn't I start Drake London after they finally cut him loose last time? Maybe you can if you want to, but he's in that range of take a shot if you want. But there's a whole lot more to tell us that we should not bet on Drake London than that we should so far this season. And like, and even a good game for London. It's not like a game where like you're you're so pissed that you sat him. You know, it's going to be he finishes the week. You know, wide receiver eighteen. Right. His awesome game last time out was fifteen and a half PPR points. There you go, Cordero Patterson. Um, back to not getting targets last time out. So that's nice to see now. So now he's just splitting carries in the backfield with a rookie on a road underdog with a first time quarterback this week. Yeah. He's Patterson's 40th and expected fantasy points in his five games back from injury, um, which obviously is not good. I, I will say the saints are 25th in football outsiders run defense DVOA over the past five weeks. So maybe the matchup isn't horrible, um, but I, I don't think you're going to get the volume from Patterson to make him more than an RB three. 
here's somebody that could be a little bit interesting in DFS, depending on his pricing. I haven't seen that because it's the kind of situation where if we look back after the game and he had like 17 carries for 110 yards and scored yeah. once or twice, it wouldn't be like, where'd that come from? But not somebody that I'm going to bet on strongly for my season long lineup. He still looks good to me. He's just, he's just not getting the ball enough. Yeah, that's the thing. Maybe they give it to him a little bit more in this first ever start for Desmond Ritter, but you know, we would be totally guessing at this point. We can't project it. Anything else on the Atlanta side? No. On the Saints side, Andy Dalton to me looks like a higher floor version of Matt Ryan this week. Sure. That's, that's about the best thing we can say about Andy Dalton. (laughs) He's he's a Matt Ryan with a less scary basement. So, you know, he's playable for this matchup against Atlanta. Just don't get overexcited for him. Chris Olave though, you know, go ahead and do it. Obviously Dalton and the saints are not unlocking Olave's ultimate ceiling, but he is coming off of three straight games over 60 yards. Yeah. The, the, the volume hasn't been what it was earlier in the season when there was no Jarvis Landry. We've even had uh Rashid Shahid kind of emerge at this point. So like, you know, a lot of it's just kind of getting wide receiver through usage. He can be better than that because he's an awesome player and this matchup is also good for him. Um, but, but I think, you know, wide receiver three, maybe high, lower end wide receiver two is kind of where, where he belongs at this point. Mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara, we should be excited to be <laughs> able to start him this week in this yeah. matchup in our fantasy playoffs. As it is, I look at him at number seven in our running back rankings and I'm like, I don't know. Does he belong that high even against Atlanta? Yeah, I was surprised I didn't get pushback on Kamara there. I, I kind of like him this week. He's someone I'm going to be playing in DFS tournaments for a few reasons. One, there's no Mark Ingram, which actually has mattered this season. Um, John, John Daigle of 4 for 4 had these numbers, but um, Kamara, 85% of the backfield touches in the four games Ingram was hurt or missed this season, 71% of the backfield touches in, in the seven other games. So, you know, Ingram has mattered for Kamara's volume. Matchup obviously good against Atlanta, 27th in football outsiders run defense DVOA over the past five weeks. They're 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed running backs on the season saints also expected to get center eric mccoy back which i think is going to matter his absence has kind of coincided with camara's downturn over the past month so a few things working in also coming off a bye week which can't help i mean camara's kind of looked run down over his last few games yeah over his fast over his past all of this season the i i can't speak for our boy kevin but you know i look at alvin camara and i'm like i want to move him down and i look behind him and there's dalvin cook who we already have for about 20 more rushing yards and a better chance of scoring touchdowns. We have Joe Mixon, who just lost some stuff to Samaj P. Ryan last time out. Tony Pollard, who, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't argue anybody wants to play Tony Pollard over Alvin yeah. Kamara. And then Saquon Barkley, who played a limited role last week and has a bad matchup against Washington. So it's it's one of those I would love to move him down, just can't. Yeah, Cook, Mixon, Pollard, I have no issue playing over Kamara if you're actually making that decision. I mean, you're, you're in a great spot if you're actually making that call. Yeah. Uh, three and a half yards per carry or less in six straight games for Alvin Kamara, by the way. He's averaged 9.6 carries per game and 2.85 yards per rush over the past five as his team went one and four. So let's hope that Atlanta matchup in the bye week can turn things around. Not much else interesting to me on the New Orleans side. What about you? Nope. I think, you know, Taysom Hill, as usual, is, is your flyer at tight end if you don't have a, a locked-in starter. Yeah. Kansas City at Houston Chiefs by 14. Careful of those teams um, projected to win by that much over the Texans, as Houston yeah. showed us last week. The 49.5 over-under for this game. For the Chiefs, Kadarius Tony is expected back, but still limited in Wednesday's practice. McCall Hardman 
designated to return. So might come back, but he's not yet active. So no practice status reports for him yet. What do you think of this whole wide receiver core? Yeah, it's, it's Juju and no one else for me this week. Um, you know, Tony, we obviously can't trust him to make it through a game healthy. McCall Harp, and I'd, I'd want to see him get him get through a game and see, see what his role is, you know, as he returns here before using him. But, um, you know, Juju, we talked about him getting back to his full playing time two weeks ago. He was, you know, still at full playing time last week and delivered um, on 11 targets, a 26% target share for Juju last week. Yeah, so reclaimed the playing time lead two weeks ago, reclaimed the targets and catches last week. Texans have been tough overall on numbers for passing games. Not really a good pass defense, a run funnel defense. You know, it's the Chiefs, so they do whatever they want. I think that we should see numbers for Juju, but, you know, we won't be shocked if it's less than we expect heading in. Houston's fifth in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. They're first in adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. I, I mentioned last week that, you know, quarterbacks have not been finishing top 12 against the Texans and Dak didn't do it last week. So now that's two of 13 quarterbacks face Houston this season that finished the week top 12. I'm going to bet on Mahomes becoming the third one to do it. Um, but it's just that the, the, the Texans pass defense numbers are just they're, they're tough for me to comprehend. Yeah, I mentioned before, no quarterbacks are doing well against the 49ers. Patrick Mahomes carved them up. So you're playing Patrick Mahomes. You're not betting against a Patrick Mahomes primary pass catcher, Travis Kelsey or Juju Smith-Schuster strongly. But, you know, it's a week to maybe lower the expectations a little bit. It's a week where I would not necessarily play Mahomes in tournaments unless, you know, we get to Sunday and he's he's projected for like 4% ownership. Yep, agreed. Uh, good game, though, to play Isaiah Pacheco for all those reasons we just talked about. Yeah. He is 17th in our PPR rankings. I think I'd also, I, I would also play him over David Montgomery and Nick Chubb. He'd be like a toss-up with Travis Etienne for me. Yeah, I think Pacheco and McKinnon are obviously in play this week. It should be more of a Pacheco game with this point spread. I mean, we kind of thought that last week, too, and the game against Denver got closer, and I think that was what led to McKinnon getting as much work as he did. The interesting thing about McKinnon is – so over the last two weeks, he's played 79% of the Chiefs' red zone snaps to just 16% for Isaiah Pacheco. So it does seem like the Chiefs trust McKinnon, um, I guess, a bit more. Not that they don't trust Pacheco because he's been getting some goal line carries as well. But you know, especially when they go past, McKinnon's the guy that's been in there in the red zone. So I think both these guys are you know pretty nice touchdown bets this week. Yeah, good stat. I think probably a big part of that is how much they like to throw the ball near the goal line. And obviously McKinnon gives them the option of going whichever way more than Pacheco does. For sure. McKinnon, I agree, is also within play here. Don't reach chasing those touchdowns he had over the past two weeks, though. Yeah, for sure. But um, he does have 14 carries over the last two games now, and he's he's been getting a pretty steady dose of targets for you know the past five or so weeks. Mm hmm. Uh, he's like, uh, he's like Deandre Swift, but in a better offense right now, really? Uh, yeah, uh, he doesn't have as much carry upside as Deandre Swift, but he's realistically been getting very similar touch totals. Yep. For sure. Um, Damian Pierce on the other side, almost certainly out for this game with a high ankle sprain. We'll see about beyond that. Jared, is that putting Rex Burkhead into deep league consideration? No, I mean, hopefully not. I, I, you know, (laughs) And you have Dari Ogonbwale, who's been playing ahead of Burkhead for a while now, actually. Um, they also have Royce Freeman on the practice squad. They they added Jared Dokes to the backfield this week. So, I, mean, I don't know how touches are going to be split, and whoever's getting the touches is, is, is not going to be effective. You know, watch, watch us get like a 17 for 72 <laughs> and a touchdown from Jared Dokes this week. Burkhead did it around this time last year against the Chargers. I remember him having a big game. Yep. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on that. 
It's coming. That's why they're keeping him sheathed until they need him. They don't need to waste him on those garbage time touches that they can give to Ogunbowale. They got to keep him behind glass for when the emergency strikes. So gross. Chris Moore was a breakout star of week 14, Jared. What are we doing with him this week? He's an, he's an option at some point in, you know, full PPR leagues, um, you know, 41% target share last week, even over the previous, previous five games before last week, he had averaged 4.8 targets and 3.4 catches per game, which, you know, is not great, but like, that's not going to kill you if you, you get that from your wider, wider receiver four spot. So and that, that of course assumes Nico Collins and Brandon cooks miss this game. You know, we'll see how they're listed on the final injury report tomorrow. If they do, I would play Chris Moore over, guys like Gabe Davis and Michael Gallup, because the what, the place that Chris Moore really beats them is he has a chance to lead his team in targets and a chance to do it handily. He does, you don't really have that same chance for Gallup or Gabe Davis. Gallup, I could get behind a little bit more than, than Davis. Here's the case against Chris Moore, though, because it's easy <laughs> to make the case for the week after he had big numbers. 29 years old. He has 105 career receptions in seven seasons. He's sitting right now on career highs and targets, receptions and yards um, where available his pass, his receiving yardage prop is currently under 36 yards everywhere that I've seen it available. We're above that. And he's still 46th in our wide receiver rankings. So Chris Moore is the kind of guy that could work out this week, but you have to remember there's still a much better chance that he doesn't do anything special than there is that he does. Yeah. I mean, it would not be shocking if it's Philip or is the guy who gets, you know, eight to 10 targets in this game. Like it doesn't have to be Chris Moore. So I don't, I'm not, I wouldn't play him over Gabe Davis or Michael Gallup. It's, you know, lower down the list for me. I'm looking at like, you know, the, the Paris Campbell, Isaiah McKenzie types. That's who I'm comparing Chris Moore. So we also have this quarterback rotation that, you know, probably doesn't work in Chris Moore's favor. Um, Davis Mills and um, Jeff Driscoll split snaps right down the middle last week. And, you know, and Mills is being used as more of the traditional passer. Driscoll's more of a, you know, Taysom Hill type where he's running, uh, you know, a quarter to a third of his snaps. Yeah, that's that's the biggest reason to not bet on anything Houston. Things are so bad that they're going Steve Spurrier with it. <laughs> but, but we do have to mention Driscoll is tight end eligible on Yahoo. And so, you know, we, we, we moved him to tight end in our you know, database and have him in the tight end rankings. Like to me in non PPR, he's a viable play. Like, yeah, I think he's in our top 10 in, in non PPR. He obviously he's hurt in PPR because he's not going to catch a pass. Like if he doesn't score a touchdown, maybe he's, he's going to hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if he doesn't score a touchdown, he's going to hurt you in, in PPR. But I mean, you know, Chuck where he is in the rankings, he, he might be your best option. I mean, you're not going to just unveil the entire draft Jeff Driscoll arsenal at once, Jared. <laughs> I can't wait to see what's in store for, for Sunday. Pittsburgh at Carolina Panthers by three over under 37 and a half. Kenny Pickett had a concussion last week, limited Wednesday. So we'll see. Maybe he has a shot. We should assume that he's not going to be back for this game, but we'll keep an eye on it for however much it matters. Najee Harris matters more. Missed Wednesday with a hip injury. Missed practice on Wednesday each of the previous yeah. two weeks as well. But this is a new injury versus those two weeks. Yeah, so we'll see on Harris. I mean, he's not an exciting play, even if he's healthy. Carolina, I know um, we both kind of got burned by this betting Seattle last week. This has been a good defense lately. Um, Football Outsider says the Panthers fourth in total defensive DVOA over the past five weeks. They're second against the pass, 10th against the run. So, you know, this game, this game just sucks. You know, you don't, you don't want a whole lot of this game. 
I agree. Pat Fryermuth, no practice Wednesday as well. He's got a foot injury we'll have to keep an eye on. Deontay Johnson, though, is not listed after last week being limited in practice with a hip issue. Had no game status, so it didn't seem like a worrisome situation. Looks like it's better this time around, so he can go back to making six quiet catches every single game. Uh, anything worth talking about for you on the Pittsburgh side? The one thing I wanted to mention about Deontay is he's the one guy where if, if you're going to use him, you might want Trubisky under center. Um, Deontay Johnson saw eight of Trubisky's 30 passes last week. That's a 27% target share. Then over the first three games of the season, when Trubisky started, uh, Deontay had a 32% target share in those games where he's been more like mid to low twenties with Kenny Pickett in there. So I think Johnson becomes a slightly more palatable play if it's Trubisky under center. DJ Moore on the other side, day to day with an ankle injury, but had a full practice Wednesday. So it seems like we should expect him to be ready to play, right? Yeah, yeah, he's he's in our rankings as a as a full go. Um, he still doesn't even crack wide receiver three territory though. Um, not not a good matchup. You know, we, we expect a low scoring game here. And Carolina has gone like Bears Falcons level run over these past two weeks with Sam Darnold. Forty three passes versus just uh, forty three passes versus ninety two runs over the last two games. So you know, it's just tough to get enough volume for, for DJ Moore if, if Carolina is going to go that run heavy. And I think they'll be able to go that run heavy again in this matchup. It's funny that all they needed was run heavy Matt rule to go back to college for them to <laughs> yeah. start running the offense. <laughs> like he did right. Baylor, I guess <laughs> um, the backfield here. There's definitely some upside and primarily for the reason that you just mentioned, there's likely yeah. plenty of volume here. The risk is the split in workload that just makes it tough to know exactly how much Deontay Foreman's getting. Right. And there's, there's been enough for, for Foreman to, you know, what be around 20 carries per game over the last couple of weeks. And even Chuba Hubbard to get, you know, 10 to 15, but that says Carolina's had 80 running back carries over their last two games. You can't project them for that many like, yeah. this week. I mean, like, thir- th- like 30 is reasonable. Cause again, I think they're going to go around heavy, but I mean, the split has been, 56% of the carries for Foreman, 39% for Hubbard. So it's not, you know, Foreman is not, it's no longer the clear lead. He's the lead guy, but it's, it, 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 it's a committee backfield at this point. Mm-hmm. The Steelers run D has act, has at least been much weaker over the past three weeks than it was previously. Uh, they faced the Colts, Falcons, and Ravens over that span. 17th for the year in run defense DVOA. So it's not a bad matchup for the running. Um, and I don't think that we're expecting the Steelers to score a bunch of points to take this game away from the Panthers' backfield. So like I said, there is some upside. It's just a risky group to bet on. I also looked at the running back rushing lines on the DraftKings Sportsbook this morning, Jared. As of 11.30 a.m. Eastern, only Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey among the 19 available running backs had a higher rushing yardage projection than Deontay Foreman now. We did not have um, Derrick Henry in there. I'm not sure exactly who else among the top group, but like Miles Sanders was listed. Dalvin Cook was listed. Um, you know, among others in there. And Deontay wow. Foreman's ahead of them in rushing yards. Wow. What was the number? Do you remember? 70 and a half. So it's only about okay. six or seven yards ahead of what we have right now. Right. We have him for the 16th most rushing yards at running back though. So that's, that's, that's interesting. Yep. You've always been a Deontay Foreman hater. I think that's what we're learning <laughs> right now. guess so. Or at least revealing to the world. I've been quietly stewing on it. Anything else from this game? No. Detroit at the Jets, Jets by one, although it's down to a pick them in a lot of places over under a 44 and a half, one point more than Dolphins bills. Just think about how recently you would have looked at that fact and thought that it was absurd. 
And it's not like the Jets' offense has been great. I guess it's a lot of love for the Lions' offense, and I guess still not believing totally in the Lions' defense, which, you know, we kind of did a little last week, I guess, and then Kirk Cousins kind of proved that to be not the case. Yeah, and that's why we said last week, you know, it's one of those things to be aware of, but not necessarily adjust things for until we get, you know, like a full-on trend of it. On the Detroit offensive side, Jared Goff's been good. Now he gets the fifth worst scoring matchup by adjusted fantasy points allowed for quarterbacks. The Jets just went to Buffalo last week and held Josh Allen to 147 yards passing. So Jared Goff, you know, been good lately, and there are places where he'll make sense but I would like to not have to use him this week. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, the, Goff's last two games against Jacksonville and Minnesota, those teams 25th and 24th against quarterbacks, the Jets fifth against quarterbacks. Um, we also have these, these, you know, home road splits for Jared Goff, which, you know, oftentimes can be noisy and you don't want to lean on him too much, but I mean, Goff's averaging 2.5 touchdowns per game at home this season, 0.4 touchdowns per game on the road. He also has 50 more passing yards per game at home. And this is a dome quarterback. So like, I, I think it, it matters at least a bit. So to me, there's just a lot of reasons to, to try not to use golf this week, despite how good he's been lately. Yeah. The matchup's probably even worse for DJ Chark. Toughest on wide receiver yeah. scoring has the Jets defense been. So I would try not to use him as well. Yeah, me too. I mean, six targets per game over the last three, he's been efficient on them. Um, which actually kind of is what Chark has not been throughout his career is, is efficient. Um, and yeah, I, I think, I think this is a week where uh, that efficiency nose dives in the matchup. Might be a good spot for Amon Ross St. Brown to load back up on target share though. Yeah. Slot should avoid uh sauce Gardner for a lot of this game. Deandre Swift playing time snapped back to its week 12 level last week after a rise in week 13. He was on the injury report to start last week. He's off it this week. I don't know whether that mattered for how much he was in the game and how often he touched the ball. The fact that he negatively rebounded last week, though, makes it easier for me to sit DeAndre Swift for somebody like J.K. Dobbins this week. Yeah, I think the matchup makes him easier to sit, too. Um, it's just, you know, how how much do you want to lean on these, you know, injury report splits on John. He's only been off the injury report twice all season week one. And then two weeks ago, he, you know, he's gone off both of those games and the volume has been much bigger in those games too, you know, 14 and a half carries across those two games. So I don't know. I think it, I think it might matter, but you know, we obviously won't know for sure until, you know, after this week. So I, you know, we did move Swift up the rankings when, you know, he was not listed on yesterday's injury report, but um, you know, he, he's still like a lower end RB two in PPR. I would rather play J.K. Dobbins. I would rather play Brian Robinson, who we'll get to in a few minutes. I think I would rather play Rashad White. I think Rashad White is a higher ceiling version of DeAndre Swift right now. Yeah, see, I, I, I'd play Swift. I think over like Robinson and Dobbins in full PPR because um, Robinson and Dobbins just don't project for you know more than a catch. Where Swift, he's at least laid a decent floor in PPR because even in his low snap rate games, he's been getting like four to six targets. Yeah, but four targets isn't really doing a whole lot for me. He's got three games all season with more than three catches. So if we get him, you know, three catches for 20 yards, you know, that's five points. That's okay. But the touchdown chances aren't awesome. The rushing has been terrible. I don't know. I'd rather chase the ceiling of those other guys than than chase that five to seven point floor. (laughs) That's fair. I guess it's the combination of floor and upside for Swift, like. We've seen him have the two big games this season when he's been off the injury report. Jamal Williams, I think, is kind of meh here. It does get to be a better spot for him if Quinn and Williams doesn't play a D lineman for the Jets. 
I mean, you're totally just making on a touchdown with Williams, obviously. I don't think he's going to be efficient on the ground. He hasn't caught a ball since, like, October. Um, so, it's, it's, it's you know, touchdown or bust for Jamal. Mm-hmm. On the Jets side, Mike White has zero touchdown passes over the past two weeks. So that's certainly worth keeping in mind as you're yeah. combing for a quarterback and wondering if we get a shootout here. Um, I would not bet on a shootout. And that's that's why they, the guys that would be involved in the shootout just don't have as many bullets as uh, we might like. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think White's okay in this matchup, obviously a better matchup than he had last week, um, but he, he doesn't reach quarterback one status for me. He's just a quarterback two super flex guy. Uh, elsewhere among Jets, Corey Davis is dealing with a concussion. Robert Salas said he hopes to have him back for the game, so we'll have to watch that, and it's it doesn't really matter so much for Corey Davis, who's like, okay, if you're in a deep league and you need somebody that's typically in wide receiver four range, but if he is back, it makes me forget um, Elijah Moore's number. Uh, I don't know if I completely forget Elijah Moore. He, he, he will definitely move down our rankings if Corey Davis is back. Um, I mean, Elijah Moore, he, he's, he's been a full-time player the last two weeks now. You know, he's New York's primary slot receiver. That's where you want to attack the Lions, too. They're the second-worst defense in terms of adjusted points allowed to slot receivers. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, Davis definitely matters. If Davis does not play, though, I think, as crazy as it sounds, after the season Elijah Moore had, I do think he's in play as like a wide receiver four this week. Yeah, I think Elijah Moore is worth considering if Corey Davis doesn't play. But if Davis is back, I'm not considering Elijah Moore at all. Because that's when we got the targets finally, the targets and catches. It was when Corey Davis yeah. left last week's game. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I think Moore is going to be on the field still, even if Davis plays. But um, obviously, have more target competition. Yeah, to the degree that he's been on the field for a lot of the season, Zonovan Knight though I think is a solid RB two. I don't want to overstate yeah. it, but I think he's a solid option this week. I don't think this game is going to get out of hand either way. The Lions D is coming off its best rushing DVOA performance of the season, according to Football Outsiders. It's been up and down for the year so far. So, you know, like we alluded to earlier with the pass defense heading into last week against Kirk Cousins, it's something to be aware of but not something that I'm downgrading Zonovan Knight for. Yeah, pretty defined roles in the Jets' backfield last week. You had Zonovan Knight with 17 of the 22 running back carries, and then Michael Carter with six of the eight running back targets. The nice thing was James Robinson was scratched, and Ty Johnson did not play a single offensive snap. So it was just a two-man committee. Um, that, that makes Zonovan Knight easier to trust. He, I, I think he's you know like a borderline RB2 with this usage if he's not going to be getting a ton of passing game work. But I do think he should get you know 15-plus carries in this game. Yeah, and he at least wasn't totally left out of the passing game. So uh, that helps a little bit and and was the clear rushing leader last week. Tyler Conklin, probably the other jet worth mentioning, a fringy tight end option, which is unfortunately something we always have to be aware of. <laughs> yeah, six targets per game over the last three for Conklin with Mike White, um, which is a decent number at tight end. And then the matchup's good for Conklin, Detroit 29th in adjusted points allowed to tight ends. Hey, Jared, here's a fun one before we move to the next game from uh, YouTube. James Sampson 002 says he's got a super flex decision, Brock Purdy or Desmond Ritter. What are you doing this week? Assuming Brock Purdy's active, obviously. Yeah, I'm going to play Purdy. Just lean on um, that, that Niners offense and those weapons in, you know, against what's been a bad Seahawks defense for a while now. Yeah, especially at this stage of the season, I would have to lean toward the guy who has put up two pretty good games versus a guy who has never played in the NFL. Yes. All right, on to Dallas at Jacksonville. Cowboys by four, over under 48. This needs to be a get-right spot for the pass offense. It has not been terrible from a production standpoint. Five straight games of two-plus touchdown passes before last week against Houston, but it also hasn't been great 
two interceptions in three of the past five for Dak Prescott. He has only exceeded 30 pass attempts twice all year. Both of his three touchdown games this season found Dak uh, going for less than 5.8 yards per pass attempt. So when he has hit those three touchdowns, had his best production, it's been them going short and his receivers basically making it for him. Yeah, I mean, Dak didn't play well last week against Houston, um, but I, I I thought before that he had been playing well. It was just you know volume was kind of what was capping his his fantasy production. I think he could get more volume this weekend. We talked about how bad this Jags pass defense has been. They're thirty first in Football Outsiders pass defense DVOA over the past five weeks. Now the run defense hasn't been great either, so it's, it's still possible that the Cowboys were able to go run heavy in this game. But um, the Jags are also seventh in pass rate over expected against. So teams in general have been leaning pass against them. So I, I like this as a bounce back spot for Dak. This, this game could definitely turn into a shootout with how well Trevor Lawrence has been playing lately. Yeah, we're going to need the Jaguars, I think, to score points to turn it into a shootout because this Dallas team wants to run. You mentioned that the run defense was running decent for Jacksonville before facing Derrick Henry last week, but then it had its worst DVOA of the year in that category last week. So I certainly can't bet against the Dallas running game in this matchup. Cowboys lead the league in running back carries. They lead the league in running back rushing yards. They're tied with the lions for the lead in running back touchdowns. So we should get plenty for Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott. We'll hope for points from the Jacksonville side to push the passing volume, which, you know, just hasn't been working in the favor of uh, Dallas passing game pieces so far. Yeah. Pollard and Zeke pretty easy starts. They're actually both top 11 among running backs and expected fantasy points over the past four weeks. So there's been enough to go around for both of them. I think CD lamb and Dalton Schultz, easy starters. I think Michael Gallup is a nice play this week. He, Gallup only has four fewer targets than CD lamb over the last four weeks. He has a 19 and a half percent target share over that span. So you are kind of banking on a bit more passing volume from Dallas for Gallup this week. But again, I, I kind of think that'll be the case. Yeah. He's a boom bust type, but you know that um, there's some upside as an upside matchup. As you said, Noah yeah. Brown was the guy who led the group in yardage last week, but before that game, he only had four total targets over his previous three. Yeah. I, I don't think Brown's an option. On the Jaguars side, we got a tough matchup with the Dallas defense. Um, five games since the bye, though, for Dallas have included their two worst overall DVOA, DVOA ratings by far against the Packers and against the Texans last week. It has included three of their four worst DVO ratings in pass defense specifically. The run defense has been excellent over that same span and dating back to week five. So this could be a tougher spot than it looks like for Travis Etienne. And it could be not as scary a spot as it looks like for Trevor Lawrence, who rebounded from a relative down week in Detroit last week to be AFC offensive player of the week. He's been playing quite well lately. Yeah. I'm still um, upset at myself for not playing Lawrence in DFS. I've played Lawrence plus Evan Ingram so many times this season, but Lawrence's uh, toe injury kind of scared me off him last week. Yeah. He's just, he's, he's playing well enough where I think you can, consider trusting him even in this matchup, which, which I agree. It might not be as hard as it looks. Uh, Dallas 16th in de- uh, past defense DVOA over the last five weeks. Um, and Lawrence, I was looking to how Lawrence has done against pressure. Cause I think that is the biggest concern here is that Dallas pass rush on the season. Lawrence has been bad when under pressure, but he's a decent 15th in PFF passing grade when pressured over the past five weeks. And he's seventh in adjusted completion rate when pressured over that span. So, you know, he's kind of improved across the board over the past month. And that's included uh, when he's been pressured. So I I think he's going to do well enough in this game to, you know, be a decent fantasy play. 
I think Christian Kirk is a pretty good play this week. He's primarily in the slot, should avoid Trayvon Diggs. Yeah. Zay Jones is okay, but he should face a lot more digs outside, and that's going to make him a bit more boom bust. For sure, yeah. I mean, with Jones, it's just like, I mean, he has double-digit targets in three of his past four games now, 28% target share over that span. Like, it's 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 tough to write off a guy seeing that level of volume, even though it's not – I don't feel totally comfortable projecting it coming again, but it, it's come pretty consistently lately. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to bet totally against it. Just don't want to overrate it. You know, simply continuing Evan Ingram is in starter territory. He's not too high in our rankings coming off of that monster week last week. Dallas has been tough on tight end seventh and coverage DVOA against the position 10th in adjusted fantasy points allowed. So it's not a must start Evan Ingram week. If you do actually have other options, but if you don't, I'm certainly not reaching to play somebody over him. Yeah. I mean, I, I, did, haven't really adjusted expectations for Ingram based on last week. And I, our projections didn't really change for him. Like, as we've talked about, he's been getting the, the usage we want to see out of our tight ends, especially in terms of route rates. And he's had some spike target games too. So like, it wasn't a total shock to see him have a big game. And um, again, that, that usage kind of keeps him in play this week, even in a, in a much tougher matchup. I was totally shocked to see the production <laughs> that he had last and week. That, that, that level of a big game, I guess, but I wasn't shocked to see him ha- have, you know, like a, a eight or nine catch game. I think that was always in the range of possibilities for him. We knew it was in there. It's nice of the team to finally <laughs> get it out. New yeah. England at Las Vegas Raiders by a half point over under 44 and a half. And I'm leaning the under on this one. I expect this to be an ugly game on the injury front. Jacoby Myers remained limited Wednesday dealing with a concussion missed Monday night's game. So we'll watch him. Damian Harris limited Wednesday. He didn't practice at all last mm-hmm. week has missed the past two. And it might be his backfield this week because yeah. Ramondre Stevenson did not practice. Yeah, the backfield, definitely the big thing to watch here. We probably won't have a good idea about it until Friday at the earliest. Um, but yeah, like if Harris plays and Stevenson's out, Harris, I, I think, is a, you know, at least a high-end running back, too, and a guy that's going to be in a lot of lineups. If both those guys miss, I really have no idea. I mean, Kevin Harris played ahead of Pierre Strong last week. They also have J.J. Taylor on the practice squad, who I, I think will, will be elevated if Harris and Stevenson miss this game. So I guess, I guess Harris would be the guy I'd use, but it'd be a desperation play only just because, you know, we, we have no idea what the touch split will actually look like. Yeah. I mean, Pierre strong is more of a receiver, which should help him, but yeah, the, the yeah. whole, the big thing here is we have no idea. And if anything, Bill Belichick being involved means we even have less of an idea than we might elsewhere. Yeah. And even last week, Harris ran more pass routes than strong. Despite Strong having the better pass catching resume, so I'm not even sure you know what the passing game snaps would look like. Yeah, so we'll watch that. Anything else on the New England side worth hitting? I guess we should probably hit Hunter Henry after what he did. Yeah, he came through for us. Anyway, we talked about him as a spot setter last week, but um, he saw just three targets in that game against Arizona, and the, the route rate was down two to fifty nine percent. So, um, you know, and the Raiders have actually been just decent against tight ends this season. It's kind of you know, the one spot they haven't given up a ton of fantasy points. So I don't like Henry as much this week as I did last week. I think he at least deserves credit for getting through that game without getting injured. Yeah, seriously. That was, oh my God. On the (laughs) Vegas side of this one, Josh Jacobs dealing with quad and finger injuries did re-enter that Thursday night game against the Rams though, limited Wednesday. So no reason to believe that he won't play in this one. Things are pretty straightforward. Otherwise on this Raiders offense, what we'll have to see about is Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro this week. Right. Both designated to return. So they're practicing. They're eligible to be activated. We'll find out by Saturday if they're going to play. Renfro to me is just is, is off the board. Um, he averaged three and a half catches for 32 yards in his sixth game so far this season. Waller w- w- was pretty underwhelming. I mean, he's 
tight end 12 um, in half PPR points over the four, first four weeks of the season when he was healthy. Um, six targets, four catches per game over that span. So, like, Waller, if he's back, is definitely not a must-start. He carries, I think, more risk in his first game back from injury. He'd probably land in that, you know, tight end 12-ish range in our rankings if he gets activated. I agree. And just kind of in general with this game, I would rather bet on Bill Belichick having Josh McDaniels number than the other way around. I mean, here's somebody that we at least believe is a smart football coach and has looked that way through most of his career, coaching against the guy who was his OC for 13 years. I think that he's going to have a better idea of what's coming with McDaniels than McDaniels has an idea of how to, I don't know, get one over on the old guy. Where would you slot Waller if he's activated? Like, would you play him over Dalsich, Ingram, Everett, Komet? that range no. okay no, maybe, I would, either. What, what, would you play him over Dawson Knox Tyler Conklin those are the next two guys I would probably put him I'd probably put him I'd put him over Taysom Hill I would probably put him over Tyler Conklin It'd be kind of a toss-up with Dawson Knox I think okay, yeah. I think I would yeah that, it's just a coin flip for me between those two yep. and anybody above that I would play pretty comfortably yep I, I'm with you that's the range sweet Arizona at Denver Broncos by two and a half over under 36 and a half. Kyler Murray's done for the year. Unfortunately, Rondell Moore is on IR now. So he's done for the year. That leaves Colt McCoy as a starting quarterback here. And it leaves the wide receiver alignment. What we saw on Monday night, which was Deandre Hopkins and AJ green as the top two guys outside Marquise Brown, primarily in the slot, Robbie Anderson, fourth in line for playing time among wideouts. So no Greg Dorch to be found in most cases. The targets went 11 for Hopkins, eight for Brown, six combined for A.J. Green and Robbie Anderson. Jared, what are we doing with these wide receivers this week? I mean, DeAndre Hopkins and, and Marquise Brown are in play. To me, Hopkins looks like the you know better bet by a pretty decent margin. Um, he Hopkins has 37 targets on a 30% target share in Colt McCoy's three games this season. Now, two of those came without Marquise Brown, but – even last week, um, 11 targets for Hopkins, a 27% target share versus eight targets for Marquise Brown. So it, it is Hopkins, then Brown for me. I think they're both decent plays just because, you know, it should be a pretty concentrated passing game between those two. It is worth raising the Patrick Sertan matchup question this week. According to PFF's numbers, Patrick Sertan allowed 106 yards against the Raiders in week 11. What That was obviously Devontae Adams. 77 yards against the Panthers, which was DJ Moore when they faced. 60 yards in the first meeting with the Raiders. Even that one took seven catches and 12 targets. Again, a Devontae Adams game. No other game has Patrick Sertan allowed more than 35 yards. I would assume that he will be in close proximity to DeAndre Hopkins for most yep. of this game, which could be a mark in favor of Marquise Brown in this one. Yeah, that's fair. Um, what was it? Marquise Brown, 60% of his snaps in the slot last week. Hopkins played about 25% of his snaps in the slot, so we did get in there a little bit. So, I mean, that's fair. It's a better matchup for Marquise Brown. Like you said, I mean, we've seen wide receivers beat Sertan this season, and I think Hopkins is definitely capable of doing that. And, you know, we'll see exactly who's matched up on whom and can only it only takes a few catches when you do get away from that matchup to to yep. beat um, what's there. Otherwise, Cortland Sutton on the other side, still no practice Wednesday with his hamstring injury. We'll see if he's able to make it back for this week. Russell Wilson probably out with his yep. concussion. So that'll mean the third career start for Brett Rippon, who is an even better bet for interceptions, a probably a worse bet for completed passes but does give us a longer average depth of target based on the two times that we've seen him start games before. 
Yeah, Kendall Hinton didn't practice Wednesday either with a hamstring, and you know he'd been the kind of the clear-cut number two receiver with Sutton or Judy out. So, I mean, it could really be concentrated with uh, Jerry Judy and Greg Dalsich to make those guys safer fans plays. By the way, in that uh, – Rippon started that Week 17 game against the Jets. Um, Jerry Judy led the team with 11 targets in that game. It was a 24% target share. Greg Dalsich had nine targets in that game for a 20% target share. Both Judy and Dalsich had, had pretty nice games in the box score as well. So, I do think they're – um, decent plays this week. Tough to stay comfortable with Brett Rippon under center, but I do think both those guys will get pretty nice volume. Judy is a fine play as long as nobody commits a pass interference against him that the refs miss. That was so lucky that he did not get tossed in that game. And that was what? Was that before he scored any touchdowns or maybe after he scored his first one? Like I think it was before any of them, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I, I'm shocked that he didn't get booted. I, I would have thought that bumping a referee like that is an auto... I, like he didn't even get flagged. I don't know if, if he just happened to find the one hard of hearing official on the field, but it, it was very fortunate for him yeah. and everybody who played him last week. For sure. Um, so I think, you know, there are other guys on the Broncos. You're trying not to play them. The other yeah. big question, and I say, you know, I should put big in air quotes. Should I grab Marlon Mack this week, Jared? Should <laughs> he come off of waivers? Is he worth targeting? I mean, there's deep enough leagues where you could have a bench spot to tack him on there. I mean, we'll see if that, long touchdown run or touchdown catch last week earns him more opportunities going forward. I mean, it does make me a bit more gun shy to use Latavius Murray, who like the only thing working in Murray's favor is volume. Um, but I think there's a chance that Matt cuts into that a bit this week. Yeah. I still wouldn't bet on him being more of a negative impact than anybody else on his volume. I mean, he's already been booted. Marlon Mack has from Houston and from San Francisco this year. He needed the Broncos to go through Melvin Gordon and Mike Boone to get to him. He's still behind a 32 year old Latavius Murray. So he was just a guy who happened to catch a ball and take it into the end zone, as opposed to somebody that's like, uh, I don't know, going to be a big piece of this offense going forward. I think I will say he was in uh the, my lineup that's currently in first place in the drafters tournament that I'm no watching most closely, which was a welcome sight this week because I had Barkley on that team and Ramondre Stevenson as well. You drafted Mar- what team was Marlon Mack even on in the summer? I can't even remember. Houston. <laughs> Houston. I got yeah, it. It was probably the very end of the draft. <laughs> pick. That's sick. <laughs> Tennessee at the chargers chargers by three over under a 47 and a half. Thank goodness Derrick Henry got back ahead of this matchup because it's easy to play him now. And otherwise, I'm passing on this Tennessee passing offense here if I can help it. It was one nice half for Derrick Henry. Um, got totally game scripted out in the second half. But, yeah, it's another great spot for him here. We know teams want to attack the, the Chargers on the ground. The Chargers run defense is not good. Um, yeah, I mean, Traylon Burks I'd have some interest in if he plays, but he still did not practice on Wednesday. So at this point, you have to kind of assume he's not going to clear concussion protocol. Because if Burks is out, though, I do think Chico Conquo is an option at tight end. Um, I mean, the route rate still isn't ideal, but the guy continues to get targeted when he's on the field. Um, we'll see about Derwin James' status. He still did not practice on Wednesday. I think you know he, he's a big deal for the for the tight end matchup here. Yeah, so it I certainly think that Chico Conquo is – in consideration in like that Tyler Conklin, Dawson Knox range that we talked about. Um, If there's no Traylon Burks this week, they still split last week. Austin Hooper got his as well. And they were boosted by a season high in pass attempts for Ryan Tannehill. So if you are playing Chica Conquo, you're hoping for the Titans to fall behind again and have to throw plenty in this game to support him. Yep. Which is definitely possible. 
Yeah. Traylon Burks, like we said, no practice still Wednesday. So we'll have to watch and see if he's ready to play on the Chargers side. Thank goodness. Mike Williams is back. He pushes Josh Palmer to the relative fringe, but this is a high volume pass offense. And we've got a matchup that should get lots of passing volume going for the Chargers. So Josh Palmer's in that low end wide receiver three range where we talked about with, you know, guys like Gabe Davis, Michael Gallup, Zay Jones, um, other guys along those lines. Yeah. I'm, I'm, Honestly, not sure I've ever projected a quarterback for more, more passing attempts than we have Justin Herbert for projected this week. I mean, yeah, the Chargers are second in offensive plays. The Titans are 28th in plays again. So you expected a lot of plays here. You obviously expect, obviously expect the Chargers to be pass heavy, which they are anyways. And then team, you know, the Titans defense pushes teams to be even more pass heavy than they usually are. So there should just be a ton of passing volume to go around here, which is why I think, you know, even Josh Palmer as like the third wide receiver is you know, still in play as a wide receiver three this week. Justin Herbert's line is 301 and a half passing yards on underdog right now. Are we over on that? We got him for 304. Oh, are you, would you take his over? Or are you I'd just take avoiding his over that on, line? I'd, I'd take his over on pass attempts uh, is what I'd rather do. Yeah. I'm not it's sure not up there yet, that. but we'll have to watch as the game gets closer, maybe. Yeah, I mean, unless it's in like the mid-40s, I would take the over on it. So do you like Josh Palmer as a low-end wide receiver three, given all that? I do. I mean, you know, he's, he's still out there for 81% of the routes last week. And I think, you know, Herbert's going to drop back 60 times potentially. So, I mean, I think there's, he, he's still a pretty good volume, but even with Mike Williams back. Gerald Everett is the other question in there. One thing that yeah. he has working against him is he's just not that good. Um, five <laughs> catches, 28 yards, a bad drop against the Dolphins last week. He's been yeah. under three yards in average target depth, two of the past three games. And the other thing that might challenge him is Donald Parham is expected back this week. Yeah, well, let's see about Parham. Um, I, the thing to like about Everett, he has four or five catches in six straight healthy games now. Now he hasn't scored over that stretch. He's averaging just forty-two yards per game, so you know he hasn't been a high upside guy, but he's at least laid a decent floor. Again, I like the pass volume for Everett this week, and also I mean, it was clear the Jaguars attacked the tight ends, the Titans' tight end defense last week. Evan Ingram, I mean. Ingram saw like six of the first seven targets in that game. So it was you know, clearly a part of their game plan. I know uh, David Long is on IR. I think that has something to do with it. So I know it's possible that um, Everett's a pretty big part of the Chargers game plan in, the, in this one. I would be shocked if the Chargers go into this game trying to spotlight Gerald Everett over their wide receivers. <laughs> I don't think he's as bad as you, you do, but I, he maybe. is. Uh, anything else from that game? No. Cincinnati at Tampa Bay Bengals by three and a half over under 44 T Higgins day to day with his hamstring. Of course, I don't know how that compares to his status for Sunday. Um, yeah. This past Sunday limited Wednesday. So we'll watch him throughout the week. Tyler Boyd day to day with his finger injury. So we'll watch him. It sounded immediately after Sunday, like we should expect him to miss at least one game, but you know, we'll watch that this week to confirm. I think that really, I don't know, probably really doesn't matter all that much for anybody's fantasy outlook. Like I doubt that I'm playing Tyler Boyd this week yeah. with an iffy finger. Yeah. I'm with you there. I'll try not to use Boyd even if he plays Higgins is obviously the tough one. Hopefully we get you know, some news by the end of Friday, maybe some news on Saturday or Sunday morning. I mean, Higgins, Higgins did this earlier this season too. I don't remember who it was against. It was week five. Uh, I think it might've been Baltimore. He, he went catchless on only 10 snaps, ended up playing the following week and, you know, caught six of nine targets for, for 47 yards. So, at this point of the week, I have no insight on what to expect from T. Higgins again. We'll we'll hopefully get some updates from some of the you know, insiders we trust. 
the upside of what happened last week is at least we should have people asking those questions. Is T Higgins actually going to play this week or is he going to be used yeah. like last week? So it won't yeah. be, it shouldn't be a total surprise, but we'll see. Yep. Samaje Pirine was a pain to Joe Mixon last week, took a lot of passing work away from him, which is a problem. I mean, Joe Mixon's still high in our rankings and is still going to be in starting lineups in most cases, but it lowers the ceiling. Yeah, Mixon still got 14 of the 19 running back carries, but like you said, um, Pirine out-targeted him 6-2. to Uh, Mixon was just 24th among uh, running backs in expected fantasy points last week, so it was definitely a hit to his role. I mean, maybe that was like a one-week thing in his first game back from the concussion, but I think you have to – assume that's going to be the case for now. And then, you know, hopefully we're surprised and he gets a bigger workload in, in this one. Yeah. Joe Burrow's rolling. So whatever's out there passing wise, Joe Burrow should be in good shape. Yep. Agreed. Tom Brady on the other side, he and his offense have not been very good all year. It has had, he has had a decent fantasy floor outside of the San Francisco game lately though. Mm-hmm. Now he gets a Bengals pass D that's poor. Um, and poor might be too strong, but it hasn't been good. 23rd in DVOA since Chidobi Awuzie went down in the first half of week eight. I don't think that makes Tom Brady a strong play, but I think that we should get plenty of passing here. They're at home. They're underdogs. I am betting that they will trail against the Bengals because I think the Bengals are a much better team at this point. The Bengals run defense is also playing very well lately. Their two best DVOA ratings against the run have come among the past three games. Yeah, decent floor for Brady is fair. He has just one weekly finish better than quarterback 10 this season, though. So, like, he's just kind of been finishing in that, like, quarterback 12 to quarterback 18 range. So, he's probably not going to kill you if you have to use him, but, you know, I wouldn't expect a big game out of him. It does sound like they might get Trishan Wirfs back this week, which would obviously be a big deal for Brady, but um, we'll see how he progresses over the next couple of days. I don't think there's anything really sneaky on the Tampa Bay side. Leonard Fournette, Rashad White are just kind of holding each other back and keeping yeah. both of them down low in our, you know, in, in that bottom of RB2 range. All right. Yeah. Fournette is off the injury report this week, which is good news. Uh, at this point, I kind of think like White's a slightly better bet for carries and Fournette's a slightly better bet for targets. Kind of evens out. I think, yeah, like you said, they're both like lower end running back twos. That's kind of crazy, huh? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> anything else from that game? New York Giants at Washington on Sunday night. Commanders by four and a half here over under a 40 and a half. Saquon Barkley off the injury report this week. So we probably should start him in most cases. I did just have somebody ask on YouTube whether they should start um, Barkley or James Conner. I would start James Conner over Saquon Barkley. So it's nice to have that kind of decision. But Mm -hmm. he did fine work-wise and found the end zone in the first meeting with Washington just a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, it was clearly limited by the neck thing. Last week, like you said, off the injury report this week, he had 18 carries and five targets in that game against Washington. I think that's kind of what you expect on Sunday night. You know, he's not going to be efficient likely in this matchup, but you know, the volume should kind of keep him afloat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel Jones, 20 plus fantasy points in four of his past five games, including that first meeting with Washington. And he got there on just one total touchdown, threw for 200 yards, ran for 71, but didn't run for a touchdown. So you know, not overly inflated numbers there. The rushing is certainly important for him overall. I think I would position Daniel Jones as not a player to target to start at quarterback mm-hmm. this week, but like a solid option if that's just the best one staring at you. I think he's like your worst case scenario as a spot starter, a quarterback one this week. Like if all these other guys we've talked about are gone, like Jones could could be okay for you. Um, the, the rushing is what I like. He had a season high 12 carries in that first game against Washington. Also had a season high seven designed carries in that game. So it was definitely part of New York's game plan. But this Washington D is just, I mean, they, they've been good against the run all season. 
Washington's third in football outsiders past defense DVOA over the past five weeks as well. So it's just, it, this is, this just projects as a ugly low scoring game. I don't see, you know, big upside to Jones. And even, even that game um, two weeks ago went to overtime. So you got, you know, elevated snaps out of everyone in this offense. Darius Slayton did catch six balls for 90 yards on eight targets in that meeting, 25.8% target share for him in that particular game. And we've got Richie James missing practice Wednesday with a concussion. So likely out for this game. We'll keep an eye on that. But Darius Slayton is also in that low wide receiver three mix. Yeah, you know, disappointed last week, but we kind of said it was a spot not to use Slayton against those tough Philly outside corners. Definitely a much better matchup for Slayton this week. So I think he's kind of back to where he had been as a lower end wide receiver three. Mm Mm-hmm. Isaiah Hodgins, is he somebody that enters your plans at all this week? No, God, I hope not. Maybe, maybe in DFS, but not in season one. Yeah, he's another one of those that could have worked out, sure, but most of his production over the past couple weeks has been a couple of touchdowns. I mean, he's gotten decent targets, decent receptions. It's a negative matchup just overall for the defense. So, you know, if you want to use Isaiah Hodgins over some other lower level guy that we have ranked higher, that's certainly fine, but I wouldn't go out of my way to play Isaiah Hodgins this week. Exactly. On the Washington side, Brian Robinson has three games of 18-plus carries and 86-plus yards among his past four. He had 21 carries for 96 in the first meeting with the Giants. You know, there's still a bit of that Jamal Williams, Deontay Foreman to him in that if he doesn't find the end zone, the floor is lower than other guys who catch more passes. He did catch a couple passes each of the past two games, so a little bit less of that than previous. But a guy that I would generally like to play at the bottom of RB2 range without getting excited about this week. Yeah, I like Robinson this week. So his three best PFF run grades have come over his last three games. He's third among 29 qualifying running backs in PFF run grade over that span. He just, he looks better as he, you know, this guy got shot like three months ago. Like it's not surprising that he got off to a bit of a slow start. He looks like he's kind of rounding into form now, Um, you know, should have game script on his side in this game. And the giants are dead last in football outsiders run defense DVOA over the past five weeks. So really awesome matchup for Robinson too. They did lose Leonard Williams during that game in the first meeting. We'll see if he's playing this week. He was limited Wednesday, did not play against the Eagles. So that, you know, helps the run defense if Leonard Williams returns, but it hasn't been a good run defense overall this year. So, yeah, I I like Brian Robinson this week. Antonio Gibson has seen fewer carries the past two games, just nine carries in each of those two, despite Mm -hmm. positive rushing matchups. Targets have just been okay. Past five games have gone three, 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 four big you know part of that is the team not throwing the ball a whole lot they want to lean run so antonio gibson is just kind of he's like uh jarek mckinnon and a worse offense but he gets <laughs> he gets more carries than jarek mckinnon so that's not totally fair yeah i think robinson's an or i think gibson's a decent rb3 this week like it should be more of a robinson game um if this game goes according to, to script and you know what the vegas line says um but i think there's going to be enough volume to go around for you know gibson to get his 10 to 12 carries and then a handful of targets and Terry McLaurin's the only Washington wide receiver that I'm comfortable playing. Yeah, Jahan Dotson had the nice game against the Giants a couple of weeks ago. I still wouldn't trust that he had four total targets in his previous three games before that, even early on in the season, um, just 5.5 targets over the first four games this season. So I'm, I'm still not ready to, to trust the volume there. Yeah, and the biggest thing is this offense just doesn't want to throw the ball a whole lot. Yes. So you, you lean on them being able to do what they want more so in a game where they're at home and favored against the Giants. Yep, exactly. 
Rams at Green Bay on Monday night to close us out. Packers by seven, over under of 39 and a half on the Rams side. Give me absolutely nothing. We got another touchdown from Cam Akers last week. He was fortunate, didn't do much otherwise. You can play him over Kyron Williams if that's a decision you're making, but you're probably not in the playoffs if that's what you're deciding, (laughs) unless you're in a 16-team league. The other guy who I guess showed out last week fantasy-wise, Ben Skaronic. Jared, you playing him this week? (laughs) No, I'm not playing Skronik, not playing any of these wide receivers. I, mean, I do think Cam Akers is still the guy to play if you're playing a Rams running back, but um, they worked in Malcolm Brown last week too. Brown actually led the running backs in routes, so they kind of used him as the pass-catching guy. So, um, you know, good matchup for the backfield, but I, I, I wouldn't trust it. Malcolm Brown as lead receiving back is fine. <laughs> On the Packers side, I'm still rolling with Aaron Jones. He's 13th in our PPR rankings right now, which is a little bit lower than he has generally been. Not you know, not as comfortable as he was, but it doesn't look like there's anything we have to be concerned with on the injury front, right? Right. Yeah. He, he, you know, didn't finish that game last time out because of the shin injury, but then had the bye week and he, he practiced on Tuesday, you know, it was an unofficial practice. There was no official report. We'll get the Packers first official practice report um, today. Um, you know, as long as he's, you know, not listed on listed as questionable on Saturday, I think you're, you're pretty safe using Aaron Jones in this spot. AJ Dillon's just outside of RB2 territory. We should expect plenty of work for both of these guys. I expect yep. a sluggish game. So really whatever Green Bay wants to do on offense should probably be available. We'll see if Aaron Donald's ready to play for the Rams in this one. I don't know why Aaron Donald would come back, but <laughs> apparently he wants to. It's just he's just that much of a gamer. Guess so. Christian Watson, I mean, good for you if you have three wide receivers better than him right now, but I would be playing him most likely. Yeah, I mean, the touchdowns have been ridiculous, but like the usage has has been good. He has a 23.5% target share over his last four games. So like even if the touchdowns slow down, he, I think Watson's still going to be fine for you. Yeah, I agree. Alan Lazard, okay, as a wide receiver three. I don't really have a whole lot more to say about him. Yeah, I mean, Lazard's kind of clearly behind Watson at this point, even in terms of targets over the past month. So yeah, wide receiver three, but um, you know, Watson's the guy you want in this wide receiver core at this point. Romeo Dobbs says that he expects to be back in this wide receiver core this week. He's been out since week nine. I don't see a reason to pick up Romeo Dobbs though, because it's, I don't see why he would be able to climb higher than number three among Packers wide receivers the rest of the way. And he might even be stuck fourth behind those two guys and Randall Cobb. I was going to say, I would, I would expect Rogers to, uh, you know, vouch for his, his, his boy Cobb to stay in the slot. So I, I think Dobbs will return as the fourth wide receiver here. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to do it for this week 15 preview edition of the podcast. You can head to DraftSharks.com now and see exactly where we rank all of these guys against each other. You can check your team Intel pages for all the teams that you have synced to see exactly who we would recommend starting in your starting lineup. And if you have any burning questions left, you can head into the DraftSharks Discord find us there. We're ready to help you set lineups, win championships. That starts really in earnest this week with the fantasy playoffs. Hit the links at the bottom. If you're not following a playoff team, or even if you are, and you want to win some extra money, underdog pickums, sleeper over unders. We got links that will get you free money to play with both of those for Jared Small and the rest of the draft sharks crew. I'm Matt Shaft saying thanks so much for swimming with us.